How you doing? I'm Mikey J, and we have a very special episode today. Now, there are several things that got me into conspiracies. There's the, the JFK assassination, the moon landing hoax, 9-11, and today we're going to talk about chemtrails. And you might be thinking, oh my God, this guy, this is very old news. Every truther in this community has talked about it already, and we've debunked it. And uh, be as it may, you think it's been debunked, and it really hasn't. Um, in fact, truthers have talked about it a lot, but the fact is it's still happening, and more and more countries are now participating in weather modification. And they want you to, they want to paint a picture of what they're doing. You're, they're only disclosing like one ingredient, but there there's so many ingredients that is being used throughout the world, and they're not telling us about it. And um, you know, we've seen universities talk about it as if it's brand new. But it's been around for a very, very long time. In my own circles, I've you know come across people who just have no idea what's in these chemtrails and don't know what the difference is between a contrail and a chemtrail. I've often had the same questions as well. And I've wanted to know what ingredients were being used. And it wasn't until I started doing this research that I discovered exactly what what these governmental agencies, these private entities, these you know weather modification advisory committees are talking about. And I've seen it with my own eyes and uh, I, I wanna expose it. And I'm gonna break it down and show you, you know, how long we've been manipulating the weather, how we've used it in a major war. And I'll show you exactly uh, what they're spraying in the air and what these chemicals do to us. You're watching KGUP Presents. Don't go away. Trees that can't be hidden if you look. Look up in the sky, there's poison in the breeze. Take a second and think about what that means. Yep, that's right, poison in the air that you breathe. And yep, I know it ain't easy to believe. And why would you do you scroll or you read? Think about it, what's in your news feed? The news feeds you nothing organic, it's propaganda. More than half won't understand the thing that I'm saying. Nope, they'll think I'm nuts, either that or I'm playing. But I'm not, I'm at home and I'm praying Before I sleep and I'm waking I hit my knees, meditating To bring peace to the awakening Cause my fat ass is Matter of fact, my fat ass Was oblivious to the fact That was not attached To that package that I unwrap And love to eat If I could change, you could change You could trust me You could trust me They've been poisoning your mind
turns out, the cleanest. Now, the most amazing thing. I told you. It's raining. That's unbelievable. That's just playing When I saw the uh, State of the Black Union, Dick Gregory, he said something that really hit home about um, this phenomena of chemtrails. And, you know, when I was a kid, I used to see these trails in the sky all the time. And I said, oh, that's cool. A jet just went over. And then you started to see a whole bunch of them. And next thing you know, everybody in your neighborhood was fighting and arguing, and you didn't know why. Okay, and, and you really didn't know why. I mean, everybody was fighting. Clouds were seeded by numerous countries around the globe with various chemicals to produce rain. China was just doing this over the summer in Beijing to make sure that there weren't any uh, rain, that there wasn't any rain during the Olympics. Chemtrails, one of the most misunderstood conspiracies of the modern era. Fact-checking websites and popular media platforms around the world want you to believe what you are seeing are contrails, and the term chemtrails is nothing more than a wild conspiracy theory. The truth is, chemtrails are very real, and they happen all around the world, and they are happening right above where you currently live, and almost every day. Now, normal chemtrails are streaks of condensed water vapor, or ice crystals sometimes forming in the wake left behind planes. Another explanation is contrails are caused by either uh, condensation due to the redu reduction in air pressure above the wing surface or by water vapor in the engine exhaust. And that is a contrail. They exist at the exact same time. So uh, all you have to do is just look outside and you can, you can see the difference. Uh, as a child, when I was about eight years old, you know, I used to go to the park with my family and I would lay on the park just lay in the grass and just watch the sky and on a clear day you can see planes flying overhead and these planes uh, look pretty far a lot further than than the typical 10 miles of course these uh, they had contrails so you know the the vapor trails behind the planes would disappear pretty rapidly usually within the first 30 seconds these days we see we see both but there are those that uh, have these trails that would last nearly the entire day and what they would do is they would spread out and just kind of go with the wind and follow the clouds but they would just spread out and stretch across the sky and so it would make like this uh, white pattern which is not natural I drove through to Cleveland Ohio and almost the entire trip I mean, it was just beautiful skies puffy clouds and it looked natural. And once I crossed the, came back to Texas and crossed the border, almost immediately the clouds started to look artificial. And it was really disappointing to know that there is, in fact, weather modification. And it's almost every day. On occasion, uh, there there will be a week when there isn't any chemtrails in the sky, and uh, you can actually feel like you can breathe. 
But uh, first, I wanted to talk about why uh, this this information is so hidden. Why would a fact-checking website lie? I mean, first of all, you have to look at who is funding these fact-checking websites. For example, who is funding a factcheck.org? This fact-checking website is partnered with Facebook. Uh, they received $1.8 billion in 2021 and is run by former director of the CDC, Richard E. Besser. Factcheck.org is also funded by the Annenberg Foundation. It began in 2003 by Brooks Jackson, who was a former Wall Street Journal and CNN reporter. It is also a project started by the Annenberg School for Communication at the University of Pennsylvania. If anyone is aware of Tavistock in the University of Frankfurt, Germany, uh, many professors migrated from Nazi Germany during the late 1930s and basically to infiltrate the United States by propagandizing the education system at the major universities. Also partnered with Facebook is PolitiFact. Uh, PolitiFact was acquired by uh, Pointner Institute, a nonprofit school for journalists. They received $380,000 from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in 2018. Uh, under other funding sources come from the Koch brothers. So the reason why I'm talking about this today, because it's always been fascinating. It's been one of the, the first uh, conspiracies that I had gotten into. I, I watched, um, I think in early 2008, maybe 2010 between that time. There had been a number of professors and engineers and uh, scientists that had been traveling around the, the country uh, trying to get Congress and local min uh, municipalities to stop this from occurring. Uh, but of course, you know, this has been a huge debate and those court hearings never went anywhere. And, and uh, so it's very sad to see that these companies and uh, the government, military, they all think that they're doing something good by changing the weather. Uh, but in fact, uh, they're causing a lot of the problems that they're trying to solve. So the history of weather modification started in 1891. The first weather modification patent was recorded in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, by Lewis Gathman. His invention was a method of how to produce rainfall by producing condensation in the upper regions of the atmosphere in such large quantities that clouds would be formed. Now, this was a crude process to create condensation by the, quote, rapid evaporation, various highly compressed gases, uh, but the evaporation consequent upon the release of liquefied carbonic acid gas that carbonic gas is one of the least harmful gases. And according to the Library of Medical Research, the effects on the body has a positive effect by dilating the arteries to increase blood flow throughout the entire body, enhances oxygen delivery at the cellular level and the muscles, organs, brain, skin, and other parts of the body. Uh, basically, it's a natural anti-inflammatory compound. Uh, it is a fat-dissolving compound. It naturally sedates and calms in the central nervous system. So it sounds like a good thing. So why did they stop doing that? I, I really don't know, probably because it's just it couldn't be done in mass quantities, and maybe it couldn't do a large 
surface of the the atmosphere. So I mean that could be one of the reasons. Gathman's invention also included the use of weather air balloons to travel up into the atmosphere and discharging this carbonic acid or by shooting explosives containing the carbonic acid gas. And then in 1914, James M. Cordray uh, made improvements to the uh, Rainmaker by introducing a new type of weather balloon and also injecting a nitric oxide powder into the atmosphere and uh, coordinating the employment of balloons in multiple regions uh, to have a much wider effect. So he was able to take Gathman's invention and just kind of like multiply it and then using nitric oxide. His method also included explosives violently agitate the atmosphere uh, with the nitric oxide powder and that would produce rain. Now, nitric oxide, if you don't know what that is, uh, does have some health benefits. It lowers the blood pressure. It decreases the load, uh, the risk of blood clots. It supports brain function, and it'll also improve the immune system. It is also good for plants and vegetation. Uh, so it sounds like a really good thing. Uh, between 1914 and 1946, uh, the inventions for weather modification stayed relatively the same. Uh, what changed was how it was delivered. Uh, some of the inventions uh, were how to include gas injection systems into the planes to spray directly into the atmosphere. And it wasn't until 1946 when Elkins B. Hervey and uh, Leo Finkelstein filed a patent for weather-modifying compositions to create rain using expanded graphite particles. Now, these particles consisted of potassium chloride, sodium chloride, chlorinated rubber, condensed and halogenated carbon compounds. Now, uh, these particles were far different than those used previously. Uh, the side effects of potassium chloride alone caused irritation in skin, lungs, and induced vomiting. It also caused ulcers in the lining of the digestive tract, caused bleeding and pain. Renal failure was, was a major side effect of potassium chloride and even death. Now, halogenated carbon consists of a multitude of compounds, some of which included fluorine, acetine, chlorine, bromine, and iodine, uh, in conjunction with zinc oxide, ammonium chloride, and polyvinyl chloride. Now, these mixes were favored over the healthier alternatives because they produced an abundant amount of combustion and smoke. But by using these chemicals, the health effects were no longer just so they can produce more clouds. <laughs> Now, fluorine is a extremely strong tissue irritant. It, it causes uh, irritation of the eyes, skin, mucous membranes. Uh, chronic absorption of this element can ca cause a multi-tooth enamel decay, osteocellulosis, which is an, an abdominal hardening of the bones, and the li ligament calcifications, uh, which is when there is a buildup of calcium and the forms hardened deposits in soft tissues, which can be extremely painful or cause um, artery blockage. No bueno. Uh, polyvinyl chloride can cause disruption in the production of hormones in the endocrine system and also can negatively affect the lungs and cause asthma. Uh, one of the ingredients it, that is good for us is the ammonium chloride, which is a naturally occurring and is a pH balancing mineral. However, the ammonium chloride is not safe for everyone. Uh, some people have allergic reactions, including hives, difficulty breathing, slow heartbeat, and seizures. Now, acetatine is another one of the ingredients 
and it is one of the rarest uh, elements on Earth and very similar to iodine. It is useful against radiation and, and it also used to treat tumors and kill cancer cells. Now, bromine, another ingredient uh, that they use, the CDC has continuously warned about the usage of bromine and its health risk, but it is commonly used in cell phone production, color dyes, baking ingredients, prescription drugs. Bromine also causes birth defects, negatively impacts the thyroid function, slow neural and cognitive development in children. Other effects include mental disorders, skin disorders, oxidative damage to the DNA, fatigue, headaches, uh, memory concerns, and loss of muscle control, and it is also a known carcinogen. Moving forward to 1953, Leo Finkelstein and Sidney J. McGram introduced the smoke generator in which they developed a smoke generating apparatus that would require the use of ammonium nitrate, uh, charcoal, and diphenylamine and ammonium nitrate which is also causes headaches dizziness abdominal pain vomiting diarrhea weakness heart and circulatory irregularities and convulsions now diphenyl phenylamine toxifies the blood kidneys liver bladder and also causes damage to the spleen skin digestive system cardiovascular and central nervous system prolonged exposure can cause organ damage and unlike activated charcoal, which normally comes from coconuts, bamboo, olive pits, or wood, charcoal is good in detoxifying uh, the body and regula regulating digestive health. However, this type of charcoal for weather modification is totally different. This kind of charcoal is carcinogenic due to the burning process to create smoke, whereas the other kind of charcoal is not. And then in 1957, uh, William T. Weatherill invented the uh, decomposition chamber for spraying monopropellant fuel, which is capable of maintaining exothermic uh, reaction. The monopropellant fuel contains ethyl oxide, which upon heating to the temperature of approximately 1,050 degrees Fahrenheit, decomposes into carbon monoxide and methane spraying at 10.5 gallons per hour. Now, exposure to high levels of ethylene oxide in humans can include central nervous system depression, irritation of the eyes, mucous membranes, chronic exposure of ethylene oxide in humans can cause irritation of the throat, nose, lungs, and damage to the brain and nervous system as well. Uh, carbon monoxide, uh, as you know, uh, symptoms mimic the flu, headache, fatigue, nausea, dizziness, confusion, and irritability. Uh, continued exposure can lead to vomiting, loss of consciousness, brain damage, heart irregularity, breathing difficulties, muscle weakness, abortion, and even death. Methane can cause decreased night vision, headaches, nausea, and an increase of respiration and pulse. And then in 1964, an inventor by the name of Ora F. Loesch uh, developed the silver iodide cloud seeding generator for aircrafts. Uh, this invention was nearly rejected due to the highly corrosive nature of silver iodide. A generator tank housing had to be altered to prevent corrosion. And to this day, many cloud seeding operations in Utah, Colorado, Idaho, Texas, Dubai, and parts of Africa claim to use silver iodide as their general alternative to the toxic versions. But I'll get into what silver iodide does later on.
during the Vietnam War, and the military uh, utilized weather modification as uh, a weapon of warfare, which was approved in 1965 by Lyndon B. Johnson. In addition to the hundreds of thousands of gallons of Agent White and Agent Orange dumped to deforest the jungles of Vietnam, they were dumping another kind of toxin to manipulate the weather. And that was between 1967 and 1972 when the U.S. military spent $21 million to cause monsoon-like conditions to flood the Ho Chi Minh Trail. During Operation Popeye, the 54th Weather Reconnaissance Squad of the U.S. Air Force flew over 2,600 missions dumping 47,000 canisters of silver and lead iodide into the atmosphere over the Ho Chi Minh Trail. In 1971 alone, over 11,000 gallons of rain-making canisters of silver and lead iodide was dropped over the north area of Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, increasing rainfall as, as much as 35% or between 21 to 23 inches of rain. These operations were overseen by none other than Henry Kissinger. Imagine that. During a secret hearing regarding the, the weather manipulation of Vietnam, the Senate Resolution Committee on Foreign Relations conducted hearings to ban the use of weapons of war on the environment. Officials tried to deny that the CIA had anything to do with the operation, but it was presumed. Primarily, the work is aimed at giving the U.S. Navy and other armed forces, if they should care to use it, the capability of modifying the environment to their own advantage or the disadvantage of an enemy. We regard the weather as a weapon. Anything one can use his way is a weapon, and the weather is as good as any. Admiral Pierre St. Amand of the Naval Ordnance Laboratory, U.S. Senate Subcommittee on Oceans and International Environment on July 26, 1972. President Nixon advised me as chairman of the committee by letter that he declined respectfully to produce the tapes of presidential conversations. A top secret hearing prohibiting the use of environmental and geophysical modification as weapons of war and briefing on Department of Defense weather modification activity was held on March 20, 1974. However, the details were never reported on mainstream media to the American people, nor were they ever in connection between the weather modification hearings and the Watergate scandal that got President Nixon impeached from office. The Committee on the Judiciary considers this response by the President to be a very grave matter. While the Pentagon Papers revealed that there was use of weather modification tactics during the Vietnam War, there was no mention of it ever made on U.S. news outlets. In fact, the details of the Watergate scandal were hidden. The only details that ever came to light were the five men that broke into the Democratic National Committee headquarters at Watergate Office Complex in Washington, D.C. on June 17, 1972. The focus was on the smoking gun tapes between President Nixon and his top aide Bob Haldeman discussing how to use the CIA to impede on the FBI's Watergate investigation. Weather modification was completely left off the details and was never spoken of during the impeachment trials because the media, along with the Judiciary Committee, was complicit in hiding the weather modification details from the American people. They did not want the American people knowing the U.S. military used weather modification technology as a weapon of war. Today, the committee starts consideration of the most awesome power constitutionally vested in the House of Representatives. During the past four months, this committee's impeachment inquiry staff has been assembling information under the committee's direction 
and counsel will now present to the committee the information assembled. The power of impeachment is one of those great checks and balances written in our Constitution to ameliorate the stark doctrine of the separation of powers. He is devious, he is vacillating, he is profane. He is willing to be led. He displays dismaying gaps of knowledge. He is suspicious of his staff. His loyalty is minimal. His greatest concern is to create a record that will save him and his administration. The high dedication to grand principles that Americans have a right to expect from a president is missing from the transcript record. As we have witnessed all throughout history from unclassified documentation and whistleblower testimony, the news media has never been here to inform the public of the truth. They are here simply to hide and misdirect the truth in order to pacify the American people so our controllers can stay in control. Now, one of the ingredients that they used during the Vietnam War was lead iodide. It is a carcinogen and it's highly toxic. Exposure to lead iodide is well documented and leads to damage to the brain, kidneys, nervous system, hearing problems, speech problems, and anemia. In 1970, an inventor by the name of Arnold Miller of Boeing came up with a projectile that would travel at a distance 62 miles into the ionosphere to create an artificial ion cloud using chemicals consisting of lithium hydride, sodium hydride, butyl lithium, and ethyl cesium. Uh, what is most compelling about this invention is Miller reveals that the previous techniques and ingredients included when using projectiles to create artificial clouds. What was most compelling about his invention is Miller reveals that the previous techniques and ingredients included when using projectiles to create artificial clouds. So a lot of the ingredients weren't even being disclosed. Like the military, they would just say it was silver iodide or lead iodide. They didn't state what was actually included in these cloud seeding. Those ingredients included the use of cesium nitrate and aluminum. There was no patent prior that disclosed the use of aluminum before. It was either hidden from the public knowledge or this inventor is incorrect in his research. Uh, aluminum suppresses the immune system. It causes severe irritation of the nose and throat and burning of the eyes and shortness of breath. And that's what we only know of. Uh, lithium hydride causes irritation, burning of the skin, eyes, mucous membranes, abdominal pain, and spontaneous vomiting. Sodium hydride also is treated as a poison. It is also carcinogenic, so it can cause cancer. Sodium hydride is typically used in products that explode. Butyl lithium is an explosive. It's reactive, and it, it will ignite in the air. Uh, exposure to Butyl lithium causes headaches, muscle weaknesses, twitching, blurred vision, loss of coordination, tremors, confusion, seizures, and coma. It is also a carcinogen. Ethyl cesium is a radioactive chemical isotope, so yes, it's very carcinogenic. Side effects include growth retardation, severe congenital malformation, embryonic, fetal, and neonatal death. Uh, this is like crazy. Here is an interesting invention. Now, Arthur G. Bunkingham of the CBS uh, cor Corporation filed a patent for a system and method for irradiation of planet surfaces, uh, meaning that the satellite would absorb any sun rays onto the solar panels and reflect up to 13,000 lumens of energy from the sun or moon and back onto the atmosphere for illumination, heating, and controlling the weather. So that was very interesting. In 1971, Robert Nolenberg 
of the National Science Foundation invented a way of producing rain or snow by seeding urea, potassium nitrate, and ammonium nitrate to produce ice crystals and vapor clouds. Uh, urea is an ingredient that is often found in diesel fuels to lower the emissions of nitrogen oxide, but has negative health effects in humans and is highly carcinogenic to the kidneys and liver. Now, potassium nitrate is also a saltpeter, and it's used for um, flammable materials. Uh, it's also used in gunpowder, fireworks, and it is also used as a food preservative. When inhaled, it can cause respiratory problems and skin and eye irritation. Ammonium nitrate is often used in fertilizers, but is also an explosive. If inhaled, it can uh, cause coughing, sore throat, shortness of breath, headaches, dizziness, abdominal pain, and vomiting. Sounds to me like none of this is good. Uh, in 1973, a team of scientists by the name of Henry L. Pappi, Alberto C. Montofinel, Gianna L. Petricani, Tadis W. Zawitsky of the National Research Council invented a way of aerosolizing a group of combustible metallic materials consisting of aluminum, magnesium oxide, alkali metals, and alkaline earth metals plus sulfur and other inorganic nitrates and ammonium chlorides and percolites. The idea is to clear fogs, to modify clouds and prevent hail. As we've discussed previously, no ingredient in this concoction is beneficial to our health. In fact, it's very toxic, even with the magnesium oxide, does not counter the negative effects of aluminum and other inorganic materials. And then in 1972, uh, Graham C. Shaw and Russell Reed Jr. developed uh, pyrotechnics comprising of silver oxide for weather modification by increasing cloud formation. Now, their work was for the ATK Launch Systems Company. Uh, they often develop renewable energy. Now, this invention is a uh, pyrotechnic composition which includes silver hyalid nucleon conjunction with uh, alkali iodide. Alkali percolate, which is harmful to the thyroid, and then fluorinated organic liquid polymer, a foam material uh, typically used in firefighting, uh, was used to influence the weather. It is an ingredient that is highly toxic to the body. Now, fluorine, which is a main ingredient of fluoridated organic polymer, liquid polymer, is an or extremely strong skin, eyes, and mucus irritant. Uh, thermal burns or frostbite may occur just by, by being sprayed by it. Uh, chronic absorption can lead to tooth enamel decay, osteocellulosis, and ligament calcification. And I'm probably butchering that word. Going back to 1971, F. Bosco of Golden Atmospheric Resources, Inc. developed a way to vaporize chemicals in the atmosphere by burning them in a flame by jetting burning chemicals into the atmosphere. Now, these uh, burning chemicals included silver iodide, sulfur, barium, sulfate, and potassium nitrate. Now, the ingredient to be concerned about is barium sulfate. That causes nausea, vomiting, stomach pain, tightness in the chest, and difficulty breathing. It also causes anxiety, blood in the urine and stools, blurred vision, and bruising. Moving forward to 1974, C. Stokes E. Smith, T. Payne, B. Lewis, and W. Murphy of NASA developed a way of creating clouds in the upper atmosphere in interplanetary space by releasing barium fluorine, barium chloride, and chlorine trifluoride. Now, the reasoning behind wanting to place artificial clouds 
into the atmosphere is extremely vague, and so there is not an explanation of why they would want to do that. Then in 1978, another scientist by the name of Thomas W. Slusher developed the pyrotechnic cloud seeding composition for artificially modifying the weather by injecting a finely dispensed form such as smoke and into the clouds for purpose of creating uh, freezing ice nuclei with a cocktail of ingredients that I won't even attempt to read because they're extremely hard to say. So you're going to see it on the screen. I mean, I can try to, for those listening, I'm going to try to say what these uh, words are. Hexachlorobenzene, it's a pesticide. Hexabromine benzene, another pesticide. Pentachlorobenzene, a fire retardant and pesticide. Pentabromine benzene, a flame retardant. And tetrachlorobenzene herb- is a herbicide, insecticide, and defoliant, uh, similar to what was used in the Vietnam War. Uh, tetrabromine, tetrabromine benzene, a flame retardant, and hexachlorosilohexine, or hexene, is a pesticide, and hexabromine cellia. Uh, cyclohexane hex, hexane uh, a JAX inhibitor hexochlorothane is for smoke munitions and hexabromethane is a herbicide oh that was a tongue twister and then uh, moving into the 80s in 1982 Robert Montmori created a procedure for the artificial modification of atmospheric precipitation as well the compounds with a dimethyl sol oxide base. Uh, compositions of this formula have been prepared in solutions of consisting of lithium chloride, lithium iodide, and dimethyl sulfoxide. This method is currently in use today, so that sounds awful. Uh, dimethyl sulfoxide, also known as DMSO, is a solvent and a byproduct of the paper making process. Now, it can be used to reduce inflammation. Some of you may have heard of this. Uh, its side effects are headaches, nausea, vomiting, stomach ache, fever, and has serious reactions if you're allergic to sedatives or if, if you're taking sedatives, blood thinners, and steroids. In 1991, scientist David B. Chang and I Flu Xiu, and engineers from the Hughes Aircraft Company, uh, created a stratospheric Welshback seeding for reduction of the global warming by atmospheric injection of aluminum oxide and thorium oxide reflective aerosol by mitigating global warming. Thorium oxide is a radioactive material that causes cancer in humans. It damages lungs, affects the heart, causes blood disorders, convulsions, and other nervous system reactions. Going forward in 1992, a group of scientists by Ronette Popovic Biro Michael Gavish, Leslie Leswaritz, Mir or Leah from the Yida Research and Development Co- Company developed a way of injecting methanol, ethanol, propanol, and butanol to augment rainfall. Uh, the use of this method of cloud seeding has been recorded as of August of 2021, so it is still being used today. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, in closing, this seems to be a common ingredient that is used. Uh, primarily for weather modification, and this chemical is silver oxide. Now, there has been a debate in the scientific community about the efficacy. Uh, Exposure to high levels of silver in the air has resulted in lots of breathing problems, including lung and throat irritation, stomach pains, 
Uh, skinned contact with the silver can cause mild allergic reaction and cause discoloration. It also causes rashes, uh, swelling, inflammation in some people. Uh, silver nanoparticles are believed to disrupt to the mitochondrial uh, respiratory chain, uh, causing oxidative stress, reduce ATP synthesis, and DNA damage. Uh, silver ion is known to inhibit glutathione peroxidase activity, disrupting selenium catalyzed sulfhydrol oxidation reduction reactions. Uh, I, I don't know what that means, but selen disrupting selenium. I mean, I tell everybody that uh, we need to supplement with selenium because our food is just not, it just doesn't have enough. And a lot of people who have organ failures and thyroid problems uh, need to take uh, selenium. But I'm not a doctor. I'm not trying to give you medical advice. I'm just warning you what this stuff that they put in the sky is doing to our bodies. So no matter how weather modification is handled or what ingredient they deem to be beneficial or the least impactful, there are going to be adverse effects on those that reside underneath where they're spraying. In a video by Disney, they firmly state, I don't know how much I can play of this without being dinged, but they, they clearly, when they redirect a hurricane it has a negative effect in another location and in this example i'll show you uh they redirect a hurricane that's coming off the coast of florida and they redirect it by making it go eastward instead of west onto the mainland but at the same time it negatively impacts the the weather in kansas so what they're doing is stealing beneficial properties from one area to benefit another area. So if we're pulling moisture from one area, say like the Midwest, it's going to have a drying effect on the West Coast, which is why California is experiencing so much drought because there, you know, there's 50 countries that are continuing to use uh, weather modification as part of their routine and it's causing havoc around the world. So if you see something or read something that states that chemtrails are a conspiracy theory, they are lying. It's not a theory at all. It's happening all around us. Here in Texas, weather modification and cloud seeding is hidden in plain sight. The news just doesn't talk about it. They've been modifying the weather since 1951 here in Texas, and the state licensing proves it. In fact, every state has a weather modification advisory committee, and we need to stand up and call for action by sending letters and emails and calling your representatives to end the cloud seeding operations. If we can defund these platforms, we can put an end to the weather manipulation with these harsh chemicals. These chemicals are harmful to our health and to our children's future, and these harmful chemicals are poisoning our food supply and our drinking water. Please do your own research. Don't just trust what I say. Look it up for yourself. If you want to follow my research, click the links below and look into it for yourself. Whatever state that you reside in, it's all public knowledge. We just have to put an end to it. We can't simply stand by and allow the government to finance programs that harm us. Don't just trust what I say. Look it up for yourself. This is Mikey J from KGP Presents. I'm out. Prediction charts have indicated that a powerful hurricane will begin forming today in the Atlantic Ocean. The electronic weather map shows an intense storm system building up about a thousand miles due east of Miami, Florida. The controller calls for a close-up satellite view of the troubled area. Coco 526, Yankee 2.5. Okay, controller, Coco 526, Yankee 2.5.
characteristic swirling clouds of the hurricane are beginning to form. At sea, the waves anticipate the violence to come. The controller calls for a last-minute prediction of the hurricane's path. If control measures are not begun at once, the hurricane will smash across densely populated areas within 48 hours. 11 a.m. EST. A hurricane is forming 960 miles east of Miami, Florida. If control measures are ineffective, it will pass inland at Cape Hatteras in 48 hours. Control operations will begin within two hours, but safety precautions should be completed from Cape Fear, north no later than 6 p.m. tomorrow. At Weather Central, the control strategy is mapped out. A ridge of high pressure slants across the eastern United States between two low-pressure storm systems. If these two storm centers are intensified, the high will build up along the coast, forming a barrier that will turn the hurricane out to sea. Stand by. Now pulling in satellite number one for visual check of low-pressure systems L-20 and L-21. The operator brings the satellite into focus on the two storms, one centered over Kansas, the other over Labrador. Changing the northeastern low, L-21. With the touch of a button, the battle begins. On the ground, chemical cloud seeders begin to work the two storm areas. Robot planes seed the clouds from above. The storm centers over Kansas and over Labrador intensify as seeding continues. Now changing over to Hurricane Center H8. The fury of the hurricane mounts as 100 mile an hour winds lash the sea to a foaming frenzy. All stations, Sector C. Activate Phase 2 Control Plan Delta. Set vapor rockets for 42,000 feet. Execute As an emergency measure, the controller calls for a salvo of vapor rockets to be fired ahead of the path the hurricane is predicted to take. These artificial clouds will block the sun from evaporating more water to feed the hurricane. The reports coming into the control center indicate that the diversionary cloud seeding over Kansas is now creating a flood danger. Specially equipped robot aircraft are dispatched immediately to release a high concentration of cloud seeding material into the fringes of the storm. Heavier seeding from the ground also helps to subdue the rain by spreading it over a wider area. Slowly the hurricane begins to shift. All available forces have been brought into play. Now we can only watch and wait. After hours of tension, the turning point is reached. Latest reports indicate the control strategy is successful. At last, the high-pressure ridge has settled along the coast, forming an invisible wall of safety. 
thing. You could actually spray sulfuric acid in the stratosphere, 20 kilometers over our head, and use that to stop the planet warming up in a okay, kind wait, of you, ugly you, tech fix. You can, you can spray something into the atmosphere to yes. change... Okay, spray okay. Spray pollution into the atmosphere to stop it warming. How do you do this? You yeah. start with a fleet of modified business jets and say 20,000 tons of sulfuric acid uh -huh. into the stratosphere every year, uh -huh. and each year you have to put a little more, mm -hmm. and this doesn't, in the long run, mean that you can forget about cutting emissions. We will need to rein in No, emissions. we'll get to it eventually. Does, but in the meantime, we're shrouding the earth in sulfuric acid. So people are terrified about talking about this because uh -huh. they're scared that it will prevent us cutting emissions. Right, and also that it's sulfuric acid. <laughs> Could a strange substance found by a Southwest Arkansas man be part of a government test? Well, that's the question at the heart of a phenomenon called chemtrails, now getting widespread attention. Well, tonight, KSLA News 12 investigation reporter Jeff Farrell shows us the results of testing we had done about what's in our skies. Uh, it seemed like some mornings it was just crisscrossing the whole sky. They were just, it was just like a giant checkerboard. Bill Nichols snapped several photos of the strange clouds from his home in Stamps, Arkansas. They begin as normal contrails from a jet engine, but do not fade away like a normal contrail. Soon after, he saw particles in the air. You know, because we'd see it dropped to the ground in a haze. Nichols then noticed the material collecting on the ground. This is uh, water and stuff that I collected in bowls. I had it set out in my backyard on my dad's pickup truck. KSLA News 12 had the sample tested at a lab. The results? A high level of barium, 6.8 parts per million, more than three times the toxic level set by the EPA. Armed with these lab results about the high levels of barium found in our sample, we decided to contact the Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality. They told us that yes, these levels are very unusual, but at the same time, they added the caveat that proving the source is a whole nother matter. Barium is a hallmark of other chemtrail testing, which even attracted attention from a Los Angeles TV station. There's already no shortage of unclassified weather modification programs by the government. But those who fear chemtrails could be secret biological or chemical testing on the public point to the 1977 Senate hearings in particular, which confirmed 239 populated areas had been contaminated with biological agents between 1949 and 1969. Later, the 1994 Rockefeller Report concluded hundreds of thousands of military personnel were also subjected to secret biological experiments over the last 60 years. But could secret testing be underway yet again? I'd rather it be something inert and benign, you know, something that's, you know, not causing any damage, but uh, I'd like to know what it is. KSLA News 12 discovered chemtrails are even mentioned by name in the initial draft of House Bill 2977 back in 2001 under the Space Preservation Act. But the military denies any such program exists. You know, they were talking about climate change yesterday, and now we're learning that scientists and researchers are looking at how to change the weather on purpose. That's right. Lasers now could one day manipulate rain and lightning. CBS This Morning contributor Michio Kaku is a physics professor at City College of New York. Professor, nice to see you. Extraordinary seeing Al Gore and Bill Clinton there together with Charlie, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. Yeah, they did not get into this discussion, no. though. <laughs> but it is fascinating. I mean, lasers, really, to change the weather? That's right. Well, as Mark Twain once famously said, everyone complains about the weather, but no one ever does anything about it. Well, instead of doing a 
rain dance, we physicists are firing trillion watt lasers into the sky to actually precipitate rain clouds and actually bring down lightning bolts. This is potentially a game changer. But this is experimental. It's experimental. However, in the laboratory so far it works. When you have water vapor and you have dust particles or ice crystals, you can precipitate rain. It condenses around the seeds. These seeds can also be created by laser beams. By firing trillion watt lasers, you rip apart the electrons, creating what are called ions, and these ions act like seeds, like dust particles, bringing down rain and even lightning. I divide things into thinking about the risks and the efficacy. And I'm just, the risks I happen to have listed are for stratospheric sulfates, but there's lots of other technology. But the risks to me, in the way I'm thinking about it, are the things that are kind of the direct side effects of the way you do, the particular way you might do the radiative forcing. So if you put sulfate aerosols in the stratosphere, for example, some of them are going to rain down the troposphere and they're going to add to air pollution and kill people. And in fact, myself and Steve Barrett at MIT are calculating how many people uh, will be killed. Um, so, oh yeah, sure. Later, huh? Right, later. Okay, the real I got something to say. I want to know how come the fascist pigs have been seeding the clouds. Because I've seen the airplanes going over twice with the, with all with all the smoke coming out of them seeding the clouds. And I want to know, you know, why that stuff is going down, man. And why doesn't the media report that stuff to the people, man? I'm telling you what happened. The planes come over an hour and a half and they seeded all the clouds. People of unknown origin were seeding the clouds over the. You know, I don't know what they hope to prove, man. This is Hurricane Ian, passing near the NEXRAD transmission facility in Key West, Florida. When the transmission facilities are fully energized, they have a repelling effect on any air mass that has been saturated with electrically conductive climate engineering elements. Patents call for such seeding into storms to be carried out from above by jet aircraft. The NEXRAD transmission network then interacts with the storm air mass, determining where a storm will migrate and where it won't. As Hurricane Ian is allowed to make landfall, the frequency transmission facility in Melbourne, Florida is fully engaged. This effectively slows Ian's migration inland. The transmissions can diminish precipitation in some regions while augmenting it in others. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chairman. Um, it is a pleasure to be here to speak with all of you today. One of the things that I would like to say is that we are in a global drumbeat right at the moment, talking about climate change and global warming. One of the things that is affected by climate change is agriculture. But some of what we are seeing is man-made, but man-made in a different way than you may guess. Uh, weather modification programs, experimental ones done by private companies, done by the United States government, uh, done by states across the United States are underway. There's more than 50 of them in operation across the United States. All of these impact agriculture because they change the microclimates needed for agriculture to survive. None of these programs that I know of today, and this is all public record, are available at any time 
uh, with oversight, agricultural oversight or public oversight. These programs impact agriculture, and there are programs around the world, international corporations, are modifying our weather all the time, and they're modifying it in ways that cover thousands and thousands of square miles. Most of it is chemically altered, so that what happens is that we are putting chemicals, ground-based chemicals that are shot into the air, or chemicals coming from airplanes that change and modify our weather. So one of the things that I'm concerned about and that we need to address in the future is how these programs are impacting microclimates needed for our crops to survive and needed for pollination. Um, if we change the growing season, the pollinators may not survive and also our crops, our flowers and our tree crops may not get the pollination needed. So one of my areas is looking at this situation to see if we can begin to put under control experimental and other types of weather modification programs. The other issue is that a lot of times we're talking about mitigation for climate change. It's rather an undefined term at this period of time. And so what happens is that many times we're talking about artificially putting chemicals like sulfur or particulates into the atmosphere in what they call geoengineering schemes to reduce um, and, and help the planet, supposedly, but help the planet to not go through such a tremendous global climate change and to mitigate global warming. However, the incidence of putting chemicals into our atmosphere is going to change and impact agricultural crop production. And if you take and you put up into our skies chemicals to reduce the amount of sunlight reaching the earth, you are going to begin to reduce crop production. Studies at the University of Illinois on corn crop production show reductions. Without the process of photosynthesis, whereby plants from direct sunlight gain the energy to grow, to produce crops, we are going to find ourselves, if we mitigate in that direction, impacting the crop production, not only here in the United States, but worldwide. One of the things that is impacting crop production right now in the United States and reducing photosynthesis, and also impacting the ability of um, solar power panels to generate the type of, uh, of power that they should, is persistent jet contrails. NASA talks about persistent jet contrails as exacerbating global warming because they trap warmth in the atmosphere when they produce cirrus and man-made clouds. NASA also talks about that when we, that these aircraft leaving persistent contrails are changing our climate. And when they change our climate to the degree that one jet can leave a persistent jet contrail which will spread across our skies from what this picture up here on my left on the screen looks like, which is a trail left by a jet, that trail can expand to 4,000 kilometers and last for 20 hours. This was unheard of in the early 60s and the 70s, and it wasn't until the late 1980s that there was a change and we started to have persistent jet contrails that persist. NASA studies show that part of our global warming problem could be attributed to these types of contrails. 
and the jets that leave them. So one of the issues as we go through is how do you like your skies, natural or man-made? And right now, we are making man-made clouds, and this is trapping warmth in our atmosphere. The climate change that is produced by these jets, not all jets, mostly some non-commercial, but what happens to our skies is that we start to see the changes. The man-made clouds do trap the warmth and they increase the humidity. This allows for pests to proliferate, diseases, molds, mildews, funguses, and viruses. This is a man-made cloud, ladies and gentlemen, and these pictures I took myself over Northern California, and this is a burst. Uh, this is where a jet left a hot, huge plume and then this turned in at the end of it to a burst. And this is not uh, normal. Never seen before in our county historically, and I was born and raised there. This is another picture showing the jet trail just before the burst. This is our skies. And I want you to know that what you're seeing now, a lot of times many scientists know, especially at NASA and in other areas, that the skies that we're seeing are not normal cloud formations. These are man-made. And what happens as we reduce the amount of sunlight in a form of global dimming, we reduce the solar power with these type of clouds, and we reduce photosynthesis, which is going to impact agriculture. The pictures look odd. The formations don't look like normal clouds that people have seen before historically. Uh, this is another type of man-made cloud and what we have done and what you're seeing here is we have the photographs from the times that the jet leaves the first trail as a thin spindly trail to where they form into these different types of cloud formations. All of you can start looking up and seeing this. What happens is that there are experiments and there's a color, you can see some color in this photograph and part of what we're doing also is we're sending up canisters. The United States government, NASA, the U.S. Air Force, is sending up canisters into the atmosphere filled with chemicals to modify and experiment with our, 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 our ionosphere. And when we modify and experiment with our ionosphere up here, we create experiments which they can see through these persistent jet contrails as they stay in the sky for long periods of time and they can watch the experiments. The type of chemicals they are using are aluminum, barium, strontium and these canisters are sent up on rockets and what they do is they superheat the canisters to create experiments in our atmosphere. The experiments can give you colorful auroras which they talk about as being wonderful. Many times People think that the auroras in, in Alaska and, and the ones we see are normal, but there's beginning to be more and more seen across the United States and elsewhere where um, aluminum, trimethyl aluminum experiments to make clouds are beginning to impact us. The reason I am concerned for agriculture is that none of these experiments have any public oversight nor agricultural oversight. Our drinking water is impacted because the chemicals are now beginning to show up in our drinking water. In California, the State Department of Health drinking water tests were examined between 1970 and this year. 
and we found unusual spiking in barium, aluminum, strontium, magnesium, calcium, manganese, and all of these spiked at the same time in various drinking water supplies across the state of California and also in Arizona. So what's happening with these atmospheric tests is that aluminum, as one example, gets into, with increased pollution and acid rain, gets into the root systems of our crop trees and our trees, and it looks like the trees are dying of drought but they're not. What happens is that the root systems can no longer absorb the water and the nutrients needed to survive. Many of our forests in Redding, California and other areas are dying. The oak trees, the redwood trees, the Douglas fir across the United States, many areas. We believe that these trees are impacted because they cannot absorb enough water because aluminum is going into their root systems. Also, molds, mildew, and fungus from warmer temperatures produced by persistent jet contrails are also allowing pests and molds to proliferate, also impacting tree health and crop health. We've taken a look for ourselves, but questions remain. How does this make sense? Strange clouds over California. Some people, like those we met in Crestline, call them chemtrails, an alleged government program to combat global warming by creating clouds with chemicals. What I look up there and I think are contrails, you're telling me are chemtrails. Yes. The Air Force and NASA say we are simply seeing more jets and more contrails as a result, that there is no such thing as a chemtrail, and the actual contrails are a safe and natural phenomenon. But former FDA analyst Roslyn Peterson says the evidence on the ground only raises more questions about what's in the air. What makes you convinced it's showing up in the drinking water? Every time they put a chemical in the air, then we're starting to see it in unusual spiking in California's drinking water supplies. Peterson says she searched through public documents like these from NASA and the Air Force and found a long history of testing in the atmosphere with chemicals like barium and aluminum said by the agencies to be used at safe levels. And then there is Professor Gregory Benford of NASA and UC Irvine, who told us in our last story about ideas for modifying the weather that he says aren't happening now, but will probably happen down the road. You could use barium oxide, for example, uh, which makes big fluffy clouds. You could use tiny little bits of aluminum, which is benign in the environment, and essentially manage the climate. We're dealing with aluminum here. Is this unhelpful and alarming in your opinion? Oh, yes. But for Peterson, the future is now. She says she combed over drinking water data from the last 10 years, available from the State Department of Health. Her conclusion, those same chemicals, barium and aluminum and others, are showing up in water supplies across the state, spiking, sometimes above standards set by the Department of Health, and often around the same time as atmospheric test dates. You're looking at barium spikes in L.A. County between 1986 and 1994. This is an unhealthful level? Yes. In your opinion, an alarming level? Yes and you believe this was caused by atmospheric testing? Yeah. Peterson has filed a complaint with the State Department of Health, which says it will have no comment until it has reviewed the case. But we did talk to Roy Wolf at the Metropolitan Water District in downtown Los Angeles, which supplies 50% of the drinking water in Southern California to 18 million people. We wouldn't know if there was something uh, that was being introduced from a, an airborne, other than the fact that if it was, it's not having an impact on our water supply. Wolf says he can't speak for the Department of Health, but says that his district conducts thousands of tests every year 
and would eventually find barium and aluminum if they were spiking at high levels. If there was a spike in between our sampling points, we may not see it uh, on a monthly basis. Sooner or later, we would expect to see a spike if that were indeed occurring. We haven't really seen that. Even under the assumption that we wouldn't see it, treatment would remove it. So for us, it really is not a concern. All of which is small comfort to Peterson, who says treatment can vary across the state. And if most testing is done on a monthly basis, she says there's no guarantee that anyone is catching the spikes in time to do anything, especially if no one is looking up. By the time that they get a test that show that there's this unusual spiking, the water could be in your drinking water tap and go through. How can they protect us? Something airborne comes down. I don't understand how we're protected. Now, the EPA tells us that high levels of aluminum and barium can affect the nervous system and cause high blood pressure. Again, we look forward to more analysis of that data from the Department of Health. And when we get it, we'll report back to you on their... This next story is so unbelievable, we didn't think it could possibly be true. But after receiving thousands of records and declassified reports from the Army, it's confirmed that during the Cold War, the United States military conducted secret tests on unsuspecting people in the city of St. Louis. A local sociologist will make her findings public tomorrow, but she spoke first to the I-team's Lisa Zygman. Lisa Martino Taylor's life work has been to uncover details of the Army's ultra-secret military experiments carried out in St. Louis and other cities during the 1950s and 60s. This study was secretive for a reason. Um, they didn't have um, volunteers stepping up and saying, yeah, I'll breathe zinc cadmium sulfide with radioactive particles. These Army archive pictures show how the tests were done in Corpus Christi, Texas in the 1960s. In Texas, planes were used to drop the chemical, but in St. Louis, the Army placed chemical sprayers on buildings and station wagons. City officials were kept in the dark about the tests. The Cold War cover story was that the Army was testing smoke screens to protect cities from a Russian attack. The truth, according to Martino Taylor, was much more sinister. It's pretty shocking. Um, the level of duplicity and secrecy, um, um, clearly they went to great lengths to deceive people. By making, by making hundreds of Freedom of Information Act requests, she uncovered once classified documents that confirmed the spraying of zinc cadmium sulfide. The greatest concentration of this compound was sprayed near the Pruitt-Igo housing complex just south of downtown St. Louis. It was home to 10,000 low-income people, and an estimated 70% were under the age of 12. Martino Taylor claims they all unknowingly inhaled this compound morning, noon, and night so the government could measure its effects on their lungs. So this is in violation of all medical ethics, all international codes, and the military's own policy at that time. In 1994, then-Congressman Richard Gephardt asked the Army to open its records and explain the St. Louis testing. We want to make very sure that nothing went on that would harm anyone and that all the facts are out on the table. Documents released in the 90s show the Army placed sprayers on this former Knights of Columbus building on Lindell and in Forest Park. The Army always insisted the chemical compound was safe. Martino Taylor believes documents prove otherwise. There's a lot of evidence that indicates that people in St. Louis, in the city, particularly in minority communities, were um, subject, subjected to military tests 
that was connected to a larger radiological weapons development and testing project. For the first time, she links the St. Louis testing to a company called U.S. Radium, a company notorious for lawsuits involving radioactive contamination of its workers. United States Radium um, had this reputation where they had been legally liable, found legally liable uh, decades prior, for um, producing a radioactive powdered paint that killed many young women who painted fluorescent watch dials. While the Army admits it added a fluorescent substance to the zinc cadmium compound, details of whether it was radioactive remain secret. Documents uncovered to date indicate the Army never conducted follow-up studies to see whether the compound caused long-term health issues. In 1972, after years of crime, poverty, and decline, the government destroyed the Pruitt-Igoe housing complex. Lisa Zygman, News Channel 5, I-Team.